What's up, guys? Welcome back to the WRPF podcast. I'm your host, Alex Uslar. Episode 42, we took last week off. We are back at it. This week, we got Brittany Bowles on here with us. All right. If you guys don't know Brittany, she's competed at the both of the first two Ghost Clashes. All right. Come into why did it give me balloons? But that's cool. I don't know. Sometimes Zoom just wants to celebrate things. So it's celebrated. You competed at both Ghost Clashes. I'm going to compete at Ghost Clash 3, coming off an absolutely insane performance at the American Pro 2. If you don't know, uh, Brittany, whenever I do these episodes, I always have open powerlifting open, okay? First thing that I observe is that your open powerlifting history is very, very short. Do you have more than one open powerlifting uh, page, or is that your whole history? Talk to them about merging. So, uh, Brittany Shackleford and Brittany Bowles. So, I started in 2015. Okay. All right. So, give me one second. I need to open up the second one so that we can go chronologically. Because I was like, wait, there's no way she only just competing end of 2018. No way her history is that short. All right. So, let's see. Let me get the other one open. Okay. Beautiful. So, I like to kind of just go chronologically. I want to hear about your history in powerlifting what you were doing before you found powerlifting, how you found powerlifting. So take it as far back as we can go. Take it back to being a teenager. Whoa, <laughs> dude, I need to figure out these Zoom settings. That's crazy. <laughs> take it way back. Let us know what you were doing when you were a teenager, sport-wise, athletic-wise, and we'll dive into it. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate it. So I didn't really play any sports through high school. I just snowboarded um, on the weekends in the wintertime. So I played some like real early sports uh, when I was in younger, but nothing in school. So I wasn't really an athlete per se, but I did enjoy go going to the gym. And then actually when I met my husband in 2013, it started out Friday night bench sessions in a basement at a friend's gym. And then I fell in love with powerlifting. And then, of course, it went from Friday night to two or three times a week and then doing my first competition in 2015. So I was hooked ever since. And bench has always been my favorite lift. <laughs> so so no sports growing up, just nope. just snowboarded. So where, where are you originally from? Uh, North Carolina, born and raised. So. Okay, cool. So, so good to know. If I want to snowboard, it's not too far away. I've been in North Carolina tons of times, but never when it snows. So you guys get a good <laughs> amount of snow. Yeah, enough to have a couple. We got three ski resorts, but I've also been out west, of course, in Lake Tahoe to snowboard as well. But we got a couple decent mountains here in North Carolina. Okay, awesome. So snowboarding, that's about it. Did you were you kind of athletically inclined naturally, like through snowboarding, like you know, whatever you were doing through teenage years, did you feel like you were stronger or were you just super skinny, no athletic inclination to it? Uh, I was super overweight. So most of my childhood, I, I'm only five foot tall. And so the heaviest I got was 185, being five foot tall and no muscle whatsoever. So I was like almost as wide as I was tall, I felt like. so. And then, of course, when me and my husband met, I was actually at my heaviest. And then I actually lost a lot of weight and then, of course, started building muscle. So. Oh, that's that's freaking badass. So, so many people that we interview, it's like they had some kind of athletic background. They were a marathon runner. They were a bike rider. Yeah. They were, you know, this sport, that sport. So you were actually overweight, not living a healthy lifestyle at all. And it wasn't until you met your husband that you kind of started finding health in general, right? 
Yep, correct. So what was that at first like? You met your husband. Was he fit? And he was like, let's just get into the gym together. Did you? St- I know you said you started with some Friday night bench and stuff like that. Was it straight into that? Or was it like getting athletic, doing some cardio first? Or what did that look like? Yeah, I was doing lots of cardio first. Of course, diet was complete shit. I was eating really low calories, like 500, 800,000 calories a day, doing a ton of cardio, just trying to lose weight. And then it wasn't up until like 2018 when me and him first got together, he was actually at his heaviest weight too. Now he had been powerlifting most of his life. And then when he had his son, uh, his son was three and a half when we got together, he had took some time off. So he was always into competitive powerlifting as well, even through his high school and early years. So he's real familiar with the sport, of course, and been coaching now for a while. So, um, but yeah, he, uh, he got us into it. So did you guys meet at the gym that you were going to, or you guys met outside and then he's what pulled you into the gym and started the cardio? Yeah, we just met actually online dating. And so we've hit it off ever since. And then, yeah, just started going to a friend's gym and then to the YMCA. And now we got our own gym. So, Dude, that's that's so badass that you happen to meet someone through like online dating apps that brought you into this whole world of powerlifting, right? Which you are now an absolute dominant force in and you're one of the best to ever do it. The, the, the second highest 132 wraps dots of all time like that's insane there's no way in those early years when you first started you know he was teaching you about powerlifting telling you about it educating you so to speak did you ever see yourself getting to this level oh no way there's there was many times like he's so particular of course and i guess knock on wood thank god i haven't had any major injuries particular on forms uh of course bench was my favorite lift so it was forever before he'd even let me put weight on the bar so i was like just dying to start maxing out because me i want to max out all the time if it was up to me and if i didn't have him as a coach slowing me down and making the smart moves i'd probably injure myself way (laughs) way too soon but yeah I, uh, he definitely helped out. So, yeah. So take me, I'm just so curious of like, I love hearing the different lens of how someone finds out about powerlifting and so many of people's powerlifting journey started they were working out in some regard in 2012, 2013, 2014. And then they happened to see a powerlifter on social media and they started going down that rabbit hole for you. It's so, so different where it's you guys met in the, in the form of wanting to find a partner. He exposes you to the gym. So if you think back to those early times of you guys dating, what was he kind of telling you about powerlifting and were you interested in powerlifting as a whole or just working out at first? And did you start, like looking at YouTube videos? Were you following people on social media? Were you like looking in what was powerlifting right away or it took a while to kind of interest you? Yeah, it took me a minute because of course I didn't think I'd be any good because I, like I said, I went from one extreme to the next being like super overweight to finally getting some muscle and getting into shape. And I was like thinking I would never be any good at it. And then, like I said, I took up a bench really well, of course, with my leverages for short arms and, uh, then going to the YMCA and then actually going to a couple of different competitions, watching it, uh, watching him compete at some competitions and then realizing, yeah, it was like, of course, following like Stacy Burr back in the day uh, was a real uh, inspiring moment for me and just seeing it. And then of course, just doing meet after meet is like, I never realized I'd be at the top where I'm at now. Uh, but if I had to, you know, tell any young lifters, it's like, just keep focusing on your numbers. That's what he keep telling me. As long as you keep doing better year after year after year, it'll eventually add up. And it has. So. For sure. So your first competition 
was Iron Boy. It's 2015, right? Yes. So we'll talk about that competition in a second. But what was your training like leading into that competition? How long had you already been with your husband and formerly powerlifting before that competition? Not long. I'd say with probably just a year of uh, lifting. So, and then of course getting into wraps. Uh, and so yeah, not very, not very much training. Just kind of threw us, threw me into it. I was like, well, just get some numbers because of course it was just gym numbers up until then, and then just establishing a total and officially getting on the board. Yeah, because I, I mean, looking at your, you know, that first competition, and when we compare it to a lot of the other elite level powerlifters, a lot of them, you know, they what they had a training background, they played sports, whatever it is. So in their first competition, you look at it, and it's not like whoa, they're the elite of the elite, but it's kind of <laughs> impressive. You look at your first competition, and it's like, oh, okay, that's just kind of anyone's first competition who's like a novice powerlifter and you, you squatted 240 maybe one day you'll squat 315 you know what i mean kind of deal but it's not very often that you see from that to one of the best in the world right yeah yeah like i said i would never think i'd make it like when i just squatted 501 at the pro and raps it was like a dream because i was like it was just during training i was like maybe it'd be there but then honestly i feel like i could have squatted 525 30 at the pro after 501 so it was it was nice to see i never thought i'd be over 500 pounds <laughs> hell yeah so going to that first competition obviously you were super prepared because i mean you know your boyfriend at the time he had extensive background you had already been to competitions he had prepared you knowing what to expect when you did that first competition, was it kind of like, damn, yeah, this is awesome. I want to see how far I can push or it's like, I'm just going to continue doing this because you know, it's, it's what we do. Oh yeah. No, I was hooked. Yeah. I was definitely hooked and wanting to compete all the time. Like I said, I love the uh, atmosphere of the meets, uh, everybody in the powerlessing community being super friendly uh, at every meet really I've been to. So. I love it. So then after that first competition, you then do a bench only comp, right? Yes. Then you prepare. So this is 2015, then into 2016, uh, one other competition in 2016. So not competing, you know, too often or anything like that, right? Yeah, I try to do one or two a year uh, so I can get some off-season training, especially in the beginning, trying to add more muscle. And that, uh, that, that also shows, like, your husband's kind of experience, you know? Because yeah. Most people, you look at it, it's like, bam, 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 bam. Here's is pretty simple. It's like, here's a competition, got a little bit stronger. Here I did a competition in sleeves. Now I waited a whole nother year. I You went up a weight class, right? And now you come out with what, especially at that time in 2017, is a pretty elite total. You totaled nine, 903, right? A 438 dots, which obviously it was Wilkes back then. But this is kind of almost, I would say, a breakout performance and only your third competition ever, right? Yeah, definitely, yeah. So kind of take me through that time, 2017 to 2018, where you're starting to get to kind of a higher level. You're not at an elite level yet, right, where you're going to these pro-level competitions. But kind of take me through that 2017, 2018 period. What was powerlifting like through you? What, were, what was it through your lens, through your eyes, locally, what you were doing, the competitions you were doing, and looking at everyone else, looking at the elite-level powerlifters and kind of trying to get to that point? Yeah, we were training at a friend's gym back then. Um, so 
Uh, we were around a lot of multiply lifters as well. So I was seeing my eyes open to that. And yeah, we were training uh, four days a week. And like I said, 2018 is really when I took a huge change in my nutrition uh, goals as well. So I started really increasing the food volume. And like I said, I did go up a weight class and start uh, really progressing the carbs uh, around training and seeing a huge uh, benefit with that. Like I said, we train four days a week, um, more like a block style training uh, feature method. So so that I enjoyed seventeen. You competed at one forty eight a couple times. Started pushing in twenty seventeen, but then twenty eighteen. Right, this is now where your open powerlifting flips changes. Yeah. Right, then you decide to go down to one thirty two. So you went from kind of growing, filling out, getting stronger, to then dropping back down. Right. Yeah, the goal. Well, the goal's always been. I eventually want the one thirty two bench record. Uh, so that was the goal. Is why I always kept doing these massive cuts uh, down to one thirty two. Uh, was eventually uh, breaking over three hundred pound bench uh, in the world and getting the world record. So that's why this meet I want to go up to one forty eight because I feel like with the American Pro that I did, I, I cut uh, probably thirteen percent of my body weight. Holy uh, shit! Yeah, thirty two, and that was the actual first meet that it affected my performance uh so now we're just maintaining around 150 body weight right now and then hopefully at the goal at the ghost is hopefully uh to dot 600 in sleeves and at 148 so getting ahead of ourselves we're already talking about the ghost clash but yeah. it's funny you say you know i, I like to hear that information 13 percent cut is super extensive so was that were you cutting that much since 2018 when you decided to start going 132 like we said you did those couple meets at 148 where you were weighing like a full 140 or so then you decide to go to 132 so early on you kind of already starting cutting put it doing these cuts to get to a more elite level right i did yeah so it was typically pretty easy for me to cut 10 percent or less so most of my training was around 140 45 to 148 and then cutting down to 132 for most of the competitions. Yeah, that, that, that's impressive. That's elite. But again, it goes to your husband's background, you know, the discipline, the importance of not competing too often, right? You're only doing this once a year, maybe twice a year. So it's not the same kind of strain in your body of the people who try to do those cuts three times a year. Right. Oh, yeah, it's definitely uh, – it takes a toll on the body, but like I said, it hasn't affected any performance up until recently, so it's worked well throughout the years. It's funny, though, but you say it affected your performance at the at the American Pro, but you still squatted 500, yeah. still hit a bench P uh, competition PR, right, and still hit a deadlift competition PR. Yeah, it just – it didn't affect uh, my training numbers for the American Pro – projected a higher number so yeah like so that, you know now if you try to take away that factor perhaps you can get close higher overall numbers like that right yeah correct that's the goal i love it so 2018 boom first meet at 132 500 dots that already establishes you at a, at a pretty elite level right from there continue competing 2020 2020 530 dots 2021 you compete at a pretty well-known meet down here showdown at the storm right yeah 568 dots and i think that meet is ultimately what then put you on a radar to be able to compete at pro level meets yeah correct 
So was that kind of always a goal? Because I mean, through these years that you're competing and you're competing at a pretty, you know, you're, you're strong. You got past that point of just being someone, oh, you squat at 240 in your first meet. You're watching these meets like the boss of bosses. You're watching these meets like the U.S. Open, I can only assume, right? Oh, yeah. So the goal was then to be able to go to these pro-level meets. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the Kern was definitely a big uh, meet that I look forward to maybe eventually going to. And then, like I said, when the ghost happened and then the pro happened, uh, yeah, definitely getting the invite meets uh, was a big goal for mine. So take me through that from that that meet, the showdown at the storm, good performance, to then shortly after getting the invite to be able to come to the first ghost clash, you know, you were, I'm sure, aware of, you know, the history of my previous meets running the hybrid showdown, running these pro-level meets. It's Miami. This is awesome. Mentally, how was that now? Going from competing at all these other meets to now going to your first pro stage. It seems like everything you do, even though you weren't competing at a pro level, was very pro. You had your cuts on point, your dieting on point. You were doing things all as if you were a pro, but here's your first exposure, right? Yeah, I was very nervous going to the uh, first ghost. Uh, and like I said, it was a very well-established meet. We we had a good time there. So I've always enjoyed the meets. But yeah, I was very nervous. I felt like I was the smallest lifter there. Definitely didn't feel like I uh, earned the spot there because I just always thought my numbers weren't good enough. But like I said, and then I was still struggling a little bit with squats. I went one for three at the ghost. And I remember my husband telling me like, he always gets mad if I miss squats on depth. So it was kind of nerve wracking to start, but then we pulled together with the bench and deadlift to finish it out. So, so where, where did you finish overall? Remind me where you finished overall. Were you top five or so in that first ghost clash? Uh, fourth on the ghost fourth. clash. Okay. For fourth in the first ghost clash. Yeah, on my third deadlift at the time when I was pulling my four, seven, it's hard for me to remember my numbers. I think 470 something on my deadlift. I think at the time you had, had announced that I was pulling for third place, but then I forget whoever placed third came back after me and ended up winning third. So and then they took I it. I get the top three placement, but I just missed it. <laughs> and look at that with literally only hitting your opener squat, making yeah. big jumps with possibilities, you know, that left a ton in the tank potentially. Right. Um, which is pretty crazy to see because looking at from that meet, right, where you squatted 396 in 2022, then you only competed raw after that. But then your next rap meet was the American Pro recently from a 396 squat opener, missing second and third to then a 501 third attempt. That's crazy. Yeah. Like I said, I've been putting the most work on my squad because, like I said, I struggled with that for the longest time at most of my meets. And then, like I said, I really feel like switching over to sleeves. And training heavy in sleeves really uh, helped my form on squats. And, and, yeah, like, I love wraps. So, I feel like, I don't know, when I put wraps on, I feel like I can squat anything. <laughs> I love it. So, after that first ghost clash, issues with the squat, barely missed third overall. You then went on to compete twice in knee sleeves. So, that that's what you were just saying, that you felt like it helped a lot, your overall wrapped squat then competing raw was that kind of your plan or is it just you wanted to change things up a little bit and then compete raw a little bit before going back to wraps yeah it was my husband's plan because he was tired of me going one for three in wraps and he said you are not getting in wraps until you learn to squat better in sleeves because i feel like even at the time when i was squatting 
you know, over close to 400 in wraps. I could barely squat 315 in sleeves. And so I was getting like a huge carryover. Honestly, I think it was more mental than anything. Like I said, when I get the wraps on my knees, it was just a more mental trick. So, yeah, he said no more wraps until you learn to squat in a sleeve. So we knocked out a couple sleeves and then I fell back in level squats and now I absolutely love them. <laughs> That, and that's killer because Ghost Clash 2 was literally just one year ago. You competed raw, squatted 402, which beat from the Ghost Clash 1 what you hit in wraps, right? Uh, yeah. Missed 418. But then to go in that same year last year from the Ghost Clash at raw to then the American Pro 2 in wraps and go to that 501 putting almost 100 pounds on is absolutely insane. And like you said, huge lifetime goal, huge milestone kind of checked off. So that kind of brings us to present day, right? So yeah. now for the Ghost Clash 3, you're going back raw again, right? Yep, sleeves at 148. So so no cutting for that, right? Are you coming in full 148, middle of the pack of the kind of weight class, or what's that going to look like? Hold on, ones. No, no problem. You got me still. I was having an incoming call. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're good. So 148, are you looking to come in as a full 148 or are you looking to kind of come more middle of the pack? What's that going to look like? Yeah, so my body weight right now is uh, staying around 150. So the plan is just to do a simple water cut uh, just to knock off like no carbs to probably weigh in around 140. But yeah, I'll definitely be 150 to 155 on meat day. Oh, yeah. That that that's friggin' exciting to see coming in full like that. So going yeah. back into into sleeves now, right? You currently been training in sleeves, coming off the American Pro, but a good amount of prep time to kind of stay in sleeves. I know you already started saying some of those goals for the Ghost Clash, like getting close to that that six hundred or hitting that six hundred dots, but in sleeves and at a higher weight class. What have you been visualizing? How have you been visualizing piecing that together based on how your training is going? Yeah, based on the projected numbers uh, and the calculations, looking at the dots, I'm hoping to weigh in around 140, and we're looking to hopefully do a 452 squat, a 303 bench, and then a 485 to 500 deadlift. So that should put me around 1240 total, 140, which will be like a 602 dots. Um, so we're, that's what we're looking at. I love it. Have you have you always been for all these competitions, especially with your husband's background, kind of very calculated and visual on like where and like kind of moving things around? Yeah, like I said, the way we do our training every fourth week of the block, we do uh, a 15 week meat prep. And every fourth week is like a meat day where we take uh, the opener, second attempt, third attempt and a future method. Uh, I don't know if you've seen like with reverse bands methods. OK, yeah, use. yeah, of course. So, handling the weights I know I'm projected to hit, uh, just not full range. So, yeah, we track our numbers religiously with the percentages and everything down to a T. So so, we'll get, so you said four-week blocks every fourth week with kind of like a mock meat style format, but then you add the reverse bands for what those third attempts would potentially be to then kind of start getting a feel for the weight without fully hitting it, right? Like uh, 12 weeks out, we do reverse bands with like 15% off of the projected third attempt numbers. And then eight weeks out, which is what we're doing currently. I'm actually in Florida now training with some friends down here in Clearwater. 
So we're running reverse bands this week and then four weeks out, it's like 5% off. So progressively lowers the weight, uh, but you're handling everything at the top of the lift. So I love it. Is that how you've trained for your last competitions with last few competitions with that? Yeah, I've been running the same prep with a few minor tweaks for gosh, five or six years now. And it just keeps progressively working. So we're sticking with it. (laughs) Leading into the American Pro 2, was that 501 the goal number and what you were hitting with those reverse bands each of those those weeks? Yeah, I was doing a 505 uh, third attempt on the reverse band. So I I mean, it worked, right? Yeah. You hit it. And like you said, you had more in the tank. Yeah. So. And like I said, right now, my reverse band's on squats 440, but everything's moving way faster than they've ever moved. So I'm hoping to hit 450 to 460. So nice. The goal. So then going beyond the ghost clash, we kind of heard the immediate, right? Getting that 600 dots, now competing at 148. Do you foresee yourself staying at 148 for the immediate future? Possibly not. There's been talk of maybe doing uh, maybe Jordan Wong's meet at the end of the year in December. Uh, and if I do that, I might try to slowly, uh, cut back to 132. Cause like I said, the immediate like world record attempt is hopefully to get the 132 bench world record. That's my next goal after the ghost, which is what I think right now it's 308 would be the world record at 132. Let's see. Cause I think, uh, forget her name out in California that trains with Dan green, Amy, just broke it uh, pretty recently within like the last six months. I think she just did. She beat Jen Thompson's, uh, had it for the longest time. Uh, it looks like Emily who. Yes. It at three Oh three. Yeah. So the goal would be the three, three Oh eight. Yeah. You, I mean, you're, you're right there, right? That's so, yeah. so close. And I mean, you don't even need to do three, three Oh eight. You could potentially throw that chip on and chip yeah. it. Right. Yeah. So like I said, yeah, that's, that's why I don't want to cut. I want to see what my performance like is at your meet at the ghost coming up here in April, not cutting and getting a full potential, like I said, coming in heavy and see what I can do. And then later down the road, possibly cutting back to 132 uh, to try to get that world record. And then do you foresee yourself for it when you do the world record again? Cause I'm curious how, the overload on the body looks in the wraps versus sleeves. Do you foresee yourself doing it in a wrapped meet or in a sleeved meet? Oh, definitely sleeves. Yeah, that's a, I think that's what killed with the pro too. After doing the 501 squat, I was just tanked after that uh, for the bench. So definitely it's a, it's a lot more overall stimulus on your central nervous system. It's a lot more on your upper body, a lot, a lot larger of a load. And when you're a 500 pound squatter in, you know, in wraps, squatting 90% of that just overall that feel on your back is going to be way less regardless of the the wraps bringing you out of the hole right right yeah definitely hell yeah i love it so talk to me a little bit now about we talked about kind of your powerlifting history the trajectory where you're currently at the goals for the ghost clash 3 which is just freaking less than 8 weeks away absolutely crazy what talk to me more about your outside things? So you're you guys own a gym together, correct? Correct. Yeah, the Shack Compound uh, in Thomasville, North Carolina. So, so a, what kind of led you guys to deciding to open that gym, and when did you guys open that? Uh, we opened it July of 2021, and so we kept it pretty much private, just invite only and friends. And then, like I said, my husband does a lot of 
nutrition and one-on-one coaching. So he trains a lot of uh, executives uh, one-on-one at the gym during the week. And then it's just for friends and family. Uh, currently it's nothing up and open to the public. So very cool there. You know, that's, that's such a great business model. If you have like kind of the clientele for that, you know, to be able to keep it more intimate with the proper clientele that can help pay the bills. Cause I'll tell you my gym, I, I love my gym. My gym's amazing, but you know, we have, 370, 380 members, something like that, you know, and every month, the amount of turnover that we have also, you know, we have 30 new people, 30 to 40 on average, our, our stats are 30 to 40 new signups every month and 30 to 40 cancellations. You know, the people kind of just come, go, come, go, come, go. They're three month contracts up. They're here. They're back. They're gone. And it's just Coming from a gym managing hybrid for, you know, years that was much more of a private gym. We had like 80 members, you know, if that at a given time, and it was a very large gym going from that of a gym that was 80 members to a gym that's 380 members. I'll tell you, it is chaotic and it's a lot to freaking handle. It's a lot to manage. And if you don't have patience, because I didn't have patience years ago when I managed hybrid the gym, you know, I would just I was pissed at everyone, anyone that did something wrong. When you have this many people, oh, God, you have to have so much patience. I'll tell you that. I imagine, yeah, like I said, ours is just private. And I'd say we probably have maybe 80 people coming going with key card access. So, And stuff gets, you know, of course, messed up here now. But I could only imagine hundreds with of 380 people, people yeah. gets messed up. Oh, my God. But I love it at the same time, too. You know, I'm constantly going around repairing. I have because we have so many members, obviously, it brings in a lot more cash flow. Right. So I have a lot more money to play with different things. And, you know, I have staff. I don't have to run everything myself. Like when it was hybrid was a private gym and I was I was the only one running everything. I have different people delegated all these different roles. Um but it's fun. It, and it's it's the reason why I converse about this is because a lot of people who listen to this podcast or follow me or follow, you know, some of these kind of things that we talk about is a lot of people want to be a gym owner, you know, and there's those are the two primary routes that you can take. And either of them can either succeed or fail, you know, but taking that route of more of a private facility, if you can, you know, if you live somewhere that first of all has less traffic to have a large amount of local clientele and also your overhead and your expenses, your rent, right, is much lower than it would be in a city like Miami. Um, having a private gym and kind of a private model is definitely the way to go. But then at the other, other end of the spectrum, if you're, you know, you have super high overhead, super high expenses like a gym in Miami does, um, then having had that higher amount of clientele and kind of cater to them all is, is the way to go, but it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. I, I seem to remember, I think I saw when you guys were opening your gym at one point, seeing pictures of it and you guys did like a lot of renovations on it. It's a pretty large space, right? Yeah. It's total like 12,000 square feet, but uh, half of the warehouse is 6,000 of it's actually floored and are all of our gym equipment in. And then right now the other half of the warehouse is just empty until we figure out what we're going to do with the extra space. But Holy yeah, we've got, we've got, got a Large uh, gym, say. That's sick. Well, don't don't be like me, because me, my problem is my my gym's like forty eight hundred square feet, and I already need I need 
12,000 square feet. Cause I just, <laughs> since I have a lot more cash flow coming in, I'm always buying all this crazy gym equipment, all these different rare machines, rotating been- in, rotating those out, you know? So don't get bit by that bug. Yeah, I seen your post the other day. You're like, I uh, measured perfectly, and like that piece of equipment fit exactly where you wanted to fit. So, yeah, it's, it, I'm actually in your gym, yeah, but it looks very nice. Yeah, well, you guys have to make sure that the good news is usually for the Ghost Clash, I've had to move out like almost all my powerlifting stuff. Um, so half my gym is is empty, but. I'm not, I'm not going to announce it yet here, but we are doing an equipment uh, partnership with a company who's going to be outfitting the entire platform, outfitting the entire warm-up room. So it's super beneficial because we have a lot of people who come from out of town and want to work out. Then usually our powerlifting side is wiped out, you know? So the gym will yeah. be completely intact. So, you know, you guys got to stop by, your husband's got to come by, get a lift in. And yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a good meet. Nice. Hell yeah. So, it's been great chatting with you. Been great getting to know you. Um, sign us out. Let everyone know where they can find you on social media, where they can follow along with your training leading into the Ghost Clash and seeing that 600 dots in sleeves. Yeah, like I said, I'll post most of my training on Instagram or you can look up my husband if you're ever interested in any coaching or nutrition advice. Uh, our company's called Bowls Body Performance. Awesome. Thank you so much for hopping on, Brittany. I look forward to seeing you in just less than eight weeks in Miami at the Ghost Clash. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the WRPF Podcast.